Hello, welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. I hope you're well. Uh, recording this on Wednesday. It is a gorgeous day. Actually, the sun is out. Uh, September, beautiful month once again in the UK, in my garden in Cheltenham, in the west of England. Big thank you to uh, you for listening to the podcast and the sponsors as ever, Bang Nollison of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. And Bang Olufsen Cheltenham's Instagram account, I know maybe on the Twitter, I've had some really cool videos about B&O uh, earphones that have come out and in stock in their store. And with that sister company, brother company, Serene AV, the guys also offer bespoke installation plans which don't necessarily uh, have to include Bang Olufsen equipment. They can be diverse and respond to your criteria and what you're looking for. So get in touch with Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham, Jason Briggs and his team good people uh, as are the people at cytoplan.co.uk because we believe in the food-based supplements that they've been uh, producing for a while we've been taking them as a family the drapers for a couple of decades really now and um, particularly sort of doubling down on, on being vigilant about taking supplements every day with uh, my little little girl going back to school I'm still at work uh, working as a broadcaster at Sky Sports and, and cognizant that not only with that sort of background specter of COVID lurking we've also got coughs and colds the regular seasonal stuff that trying to stave off and there's various reasons that my dad's podcast dr mark draper who's worked as a consultant for cytoplan he's a gp a practitioner as a doctor but also a nutritionist he's worked in the past and he's helped consult on the ingredients of, of supplements he's got various reasons of why due to soil over rotation crop rotation and also diminishing calorie intake despite us being overweight we're taking less calories he's a firm believer in cytoplan supplements and just bolstering a good diet uh, with supplements, particularly seeing things like vitamin D at the moment with that's linked to COVID. Uh, selenium and zinc are, are big favorites of his, but um, cytoplan.co.uk is, is the company and they're sort of, it's digested like food is, is the theory. That's what the doctors and uh, nutritionists tell me is behind that. Um, and if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, you can get 10% off as we head into the sort of uh, autumn and winter and all the sniffles and everything returns, which is going to cause chaos potentially, isn't it, logistically, if we don't know necessarily what it is. And we've seen the testing back up in the UK. So in a sense, trying to avoid as many symptoms as possible, keep that immunity well, keep sleeping, moving around, exercising in moderation. That's the, the plan for me anyway, from the experts that I speak to. Uh, but cytoplan.co.uk, if you want 10% off, which I guess if you're ordering supplements, it's always a nice boost, you can so with uh, my discount code, DRAPER10, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, and then the letters one, or numbers, one zero. Uh, so today's podcast should be fun. It's my brother, JJ Draper. He's a singer-songwriter, had coronavirus back in March, working in a pub in southwest London. Um, didn't know at the time that it was coronavirus, sub subsequently has had a test. Um, and it's actually sort of, we'll talk a little bit about sort of recovering from that as well and how it's been a fatigue element to it, post-viral fatigue, which has been challenging, but obviously hasn't had too much to do musically because of the, the lockdown and, and the implications for the music industry as well and how it may have to pivot again from its model of, of making money pretty much solely and, and largely through live events because the, a lot of the, the online sales are pretty meagre compared to the traditional record sales of my youth, not his youth, because he's only 28. He's, he's been brought up in this world. But um, yeah, interesting to speak to JJ and get his take. And he's got great new music out as well on his Spotify. Check that out. Uh, he'll give you the title. I think it's a part of a piece of this. And it's <laughs> quite a complex title, his new song, but it's good. I love it. Good energy to it. Okay, here we go. JJ Draper, singer-songwriter, my bro. Hello, JJ. How you doing? Good, good. How you doing? 
Yeah, that's good. You're, your mum and dad's, are you? It's fired up the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm somewhere with working internet, which is uh, which is novel. It's good, good for a music artist of the <laughs> 21st century to have an internet connection, I suppose. Um, like you can play, yeah. some, play some acoustic gigs for the uh, the locals in Stratford upon Avon. <laughs> I thought it would be good for the uh, the headspace, but actually, it's more of a more of a headache. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because we've talked in the past about the effect of the internet on on society, on on sort of media. Because I work in the media, but music as well. I mean, I got lost to music at the age of about twenty when the digital revolution happened, and suddenly you had to go out and find yeah. it. And there was a, a mass of music, but there was no one channeling or curating it seemingly in a coherent way. I mean, Radio One plays songs from nineteen ninety five, which is great for me in a way. But when I was you know young, they were playing songs of the the here and now, and they were sort of directing you to different genres but it's it's an interesting thing isn't it coming to terms with the the internet particularly in a pandemic i think it's weird um kind of a, just a, a weird time because some parts of the industry are still really um old-fashioned and some parts you know uh um like you say kind of have moved on and are, and are ultra modern and it's yeah. like it's not really very it hasn't really settled into a very I think you can you can profit from from sort of either either one of those, but um, it's like there's a lot of space in the middle where the where the two things don't seem to be communicating very well. Mm. It's like there's still like old school labels do record labels doing things in in kind of seemingly slightly backwards ways, and then there's the kind of you know a whole generation of people who blew up on social media before they ever really produced much music mm. so it's like a weird and then and then what happens i think is you get stuff like record labels then investing in people who are social media uh, you know like uh, piggybacking on people's kind of already existing exposure yeah. which is not so- really what you want labels necessarily to to do or or at least it's kind of what you hope that hope that they wouldn't do but i think that is that is that's the way the industry is working and it's quite quite a strange like mixture of the two yeah you just you just broke up a touch there i can hear you loud and clear but just um you go a little bit closer to the router just because i think um with (laughs) the the modern world the wi-fi we've actually got upgraded internet which is quite astounding because you realize that how bad the internet was before which is um, amazing really but um in 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 2020 but yeah what you're talking about is kind of the attention of economy and the, the contradictions and difficulties there i mean before though we had just gate gatekeepers navigating the whole thing i suppose on radios and record companies where they were deciding what the public should hear so i suppose there's, there's a, a liberation of sorts with the internet that people can publish i mean even this doing this conversation now that i can put on the internet wasn't possible sort of 10 15 years ago so it's it's a different a different well, there, are, there are pros and cons to it but i think the difficulty facing the public of consumers of music is just choice and volume and and finding it and i guess is that what the, tr- mm. the traditional record companies they're they're lightning rods now to people to to just direct them in a, in a direction of a, of music so they're, they're still active in a way because they can put resources into the internet and, and corral it yeah well they yeah yeah they kind of like in to to some degree at least and not you know not not to not not like absolutely but to some degree they've um monopolized sort of the streaming platforms to a certain extent as well you know they're able to put resources into making sure that um, people who run playlists place their tracks and place their artists and things um, 
which is always going to happen. So they are to a certain extent um, still forming, uh, still kind of, um, yeah, put, putting music in in front of in front of the public that they want the public to hear. But I think there's also, a, as I was saying, I think there's like a, a certain amount of you you hope. Well, the you know you sort of vision of a label is that you have people who have really excellent taste and not only that but have have kind of forward thinking taste or kind of progressive taste and they go okay this is what people are going to want to listen to in a year so let's get this band in and help them progress but i think more and more because of the sort of immediacy of all of the um the way sort of social media works and the sort of instant feedback of everything they're just going oh god this person's just had a video with a million hits and now they've got a million followers <laughs> if we just if we just release that piece of music we know that we'll get certain amount you know we'll, we'll get a return on our investment yeah Do, i mean is that um, is that data accurate even though can can that be manipulated as well hits and and social media follows and things like that i mean that seems a very superficial way in a way in a way that you then wonder what their role is if they were sort of supposed to be a talent or have a talent for for identifying mm. good music and, and and people rather than just following I mean, anyone can follow youtube follows and, and in a sense those people with if they have a genuine big following why would they need a record company <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly that's why that's why they and i think there are there are exceptions to that and that's why i think that's a kind of like the, the paradoxical relationship um that they have it's like they, they'll invest in something that doesn't really need investment but you still have the the artist still kind of feels like you know because I, I suppose there's sort of emotional level of artists still feels like they need a, a label to come along and say, we're going to offer you a hundred grand for your album or something. Yeah. It, what, there's, there's, a, there's a vestige of a sort of psychosocial kind of memory of that in a bit, in a way, I suppose like yeah, being yeah. a broadcaster on the BBC still holds kudos because of, of what it meant in terms of complete stardom in the sort of nineties, eighties and before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's all that hangover of that sort of feeling. So even, even if an artist, could release a, an album online to you know 200,000 followers who will buy it he'd still potentially sign a, a record label just because of the kind of name associated with it and also they do have a kind of existing I suppose infrastructure of like press and stuff you know yeah. the relationships with the press which is obviously um obviously beneficial but yeah I think there are exceptions there's a lot presumably are a lot of labels um doing things in the in a kind of more progressive sense but i think there's there is definitely a attention with where they're like sort of trying to piggyback on what is the current trend rather than leading it mm. you know yeah i mean there's so so many pros and cons to the modern world and the explosion of the internet one thing is the the choice and the fact that people can find sort of their own niche and and crevice of music if they have the time and energy to go out there and make decision making because the more i read about decision making the more i realize it's tiring and it kind of explains my own approach to it that mm. if, in life if you've got a certain amount of energy devoted to to uh, decisions then you won't um go into too much uh kind of nuance with that and i think you know it's, people talk about this with netflix at the moment don't know tv shows what to watch that often they, they, oh, they give up after flicking through yeah yeah particularly when it's terrible particularly when trailers are so long that they actually um tell you everything you need to know about the film before i know they're actually pointless in that regard um i think because so um, that must be a problem facing music is that people having the energy and resources to find you or find other artists. yeah well i think there's there's kind of there's a, a mixture of that there's like so like you said i think that's really it's, it's really kind of weird um 
psychological uh, state, that thing of not being able to choose and then being like, well, I didn't even want all this choice. Like, why am I being presented? You know, I, I don't want mm-hmm. like, and, um, I think that is true to a certain extent, but what, what, um, uh, streaming platforms, music streaming platforms have done to combat that, um, well, perhaps not like, you know, retro- retrospectively like that, but what, what the kind of remedy for that on streaming platforms is um, that they, you know, pe- they, they give people, um, somebody chooses to listen to my music, for example, and then they get a huge, you know, radio, um, what they call radio or like um, related playlists that then play from that music. But- Bonnie Bear. <laughs> comes yeah, up, yeah. Well, of various things, <laughs> various things. It might be like some of them are they're pretty. You know, the more you listen, they actually do get um, impressively, um, you know, accurate and things in terms of yeah. what you might like. But then that also but the causes. With that is it's sort of like it's like it's like it's like YouTube algorithms with politics, isn't it? People get down um, yeah by sort of partisan lines. Yeah, you you end up not being exposed to things that actually in the past you may have heard on. Radio One with Trevor Nelson, and exactly you know, it got into hip hop music, whereas you were previously listening to indie music. Yeah, so that you can get sort of I don't know stuck down a kind of um, well, it's exactly that echo, echo chamber. Yeah, exactly that. That people start listening to just stuff they know they're going to like, which I don't think is is that useful. But also, um, it's quite anonymous. You know, people put on a playlist and they they get you know they might enjoy really enjoy three hours of music, but they might not be able to tell you any of the names or any of the names of the songs really the names of the artists yeah so then they don't go and follow on and buy that artist's album like none of this is um you know 100 percent of the time 100 percent of the listeners but it's definitely a trend of people listening to playlists i mean i know even from my experience i think it was um it was carla saying that her boss or somebody had been listening to me after hearing me on playlists but they hadn't you know they hadn't like followed my social media accounts or gone and bought um um you know tickets to a show or something just because i think that's the the issue with those playlists is they're quite passive and i think in the past people used to be very um proactive yeah very proactive i hear about like reading will um reading the lead lead singer songwriter um jeff tweedy from wilco his love of music started with like an obsessional trip trips every week down to the record store and like discuss yeah. discussing it with older people and hearing what was happening in England when he was in America and all that sort of stuff and it's kind mm. of like that that act activity is good full stop I think <laughs> it's like it's like it's like it's like the nostalgia around going to the blockbuster store to a certain extent I know there's probably more artistic elements to, to music covers the album cover was a big thing the tactile yeah. experience but that whole kind of uh, outing in that sense of event around going to Blockbuster or Video Nest or whatever the one that was near you, the, the VHS or DVD mm. store, is a kind of uh, a kind of sort of a process that's more engaging in a sense. And I think you know, it's a digital experience is very much sort of often distracted and it's kind of hurried and it's a different, it's non different it's, quality. It's kind of non-committal in a weird way because even if you're you're paying your monthly subscription, picking a film that you then think is rubbish is kind of you know you just shrug your shoulders. Whereas if you've gone down to the the store and you know that you're taking one or two films home and you're going to watch yeah. them, there's a certain amount of commitment. I think that's just across the board. That's kind of what, what I think, you know, issues that people are finding with. It's too easy to, 
click through or like yeah. click past. It's just there's no commitment involved in that. And yet there's there is a I don't know what the there's like a there's a kind of debt, but there's not much mm. actual commitment, you know, it's so weird. I think a lot of I think a lot of modern sort of technology can almost be um kind of analogous to sort of nutrition and, and junk food versus whole foods and things like that because mm. um i was thinking this with with interviews now a lot of interviews are being conducted press conferences in sport with managers through zoom calls i've done a lot for boxing through zoom and, and other apps and stuff like that and phone calls and it's fine but it's actually that you do lose a depth and a texture to, to, to human interaction but it's actually more exhausting doing it remotely because somehow you have to be more on tune and, and and drilled in whereas when you're in someone's company there's a bit more kind of relaxation yeah. to it to a certain extent so i think that's inter- and i think that's a bit the same with the digital music element is that you can graze on all this stuff in a digital form but perhaps you don't have that immersive quality that you do in the, the old world but people are going back to the record come you know i think old-fashioned records have boomed haven't they in recent years and that whole experience of listening to an album yeah with a good quali- good quality speaker as well not just your um your regular earphones and stuff stuck in your ear on on the tube or wherever, yeah. wherever you might wherever you might be. But what's the past six months been? Because you had this like fifteen years of sort of groaning and growing that the music industry is trying to do to to adapt to the new world. But then you've had a situation where the model of giving away free music and making money on events has been completely scrapped scrapped by the fact we can't congregate. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, my my history in the music industry hasn't been one of enormous profit, but, um, but, you know, like, uh, sort of steadily been, been growing and, and, and sort of. But how many listens, how many listens have you had then? Cause how, if you could quantify, do you know roughly how many, cause then, and then you could, if in the old world, if you could translate that to records. Yeah. So I mean, I have money, no, I, I have no idea how it would translate, but if, you, if I've had like a million listens on Spotify or something, but wow. it's, but you don't know. You know but that's, that's great. That's, but that's awesome. That a million, it's very, you know. very cool. It's very cool that people actually, li- you know, it's very, very cool when you speak to someone or you get a message from someone and they genuinely have d- discovered it and sort of, you know, moved by it. It's very um, unique, unique mm. feeling. Um, but I think, yeah, the last, like March, we played, or oh, sorry, mid February, we played um, two of our absolutely best shows. One mm. very big support show, and then one very, um, really kind of perfect. You know, in terms of how it went, uh, a headline in London, and yeah, where then, is it? And then those are the two last shows, and you're like, uh, and suddenly, you know, that felt like a kind of springboard, and then there's there's nothing ahead of you. I had a show for September that's been moved to February, so that's kind of that's literally a whole year without gigs, and I just you know it's. I love yeah. I love performing. It's the thing that gives you gives you energy, I think. And it also I said this to a few people that it you you use them as markers in your time. You know, it's like Yeah. You do a gig you do a gig um one month and then you, you know that you're gonna be rehearsing for a gig in another month or you know, hopefully you might have maybe I did a, a couple of smaller shows where I did a um you know, travelled a bit, did a did a show did a couple of shows in one week and then, you know, you, you've got all these nice little kind of blocked out things in your calendar. Mm. And when they're gone, you go like, right. So what actually am I, you have release dates and things, but obviously that increasing that increasingly, like we were talking about the kind of um, the, the internet kind of releases it's, it, mm. 
it sort of feels like you just release it and nothing happens because you don't see it yeah. or anything, you know. So what what is the conversation with with the music industry or the music people online? Because you had this model which was predicated, it was kind of flipped the traditional model because the traditional model was record sales and you would drive record sales by performing live. Um, hmm. Say when we were growing up and before that, the big rock bands of the 70s and 80s. But then you had this model of giving away music effectively free and then hoping to make money on events. But then hmm. that's not possible. So do you think, are they, is it going to, could a positive be that they sort of drill down on actually trying to make people pay for music at some point? I mean, I don't know. It, it's sort of, I don't know what the um, breakdown of the, the statistics are. I mean, I know that if you look at the very, very biggest artists, who you know like ed sheeran and everything they they're the level of streams that they get on spotify will Mm. actually i mean you know perhaps not you know he might not make 10 million pounds every six months but he might he will still make a quite large sum just from the streams yeah because he's talking we're talking like billions of streams um So people, there is actually still like revenue on that on that for him, and obviously as well, people like him if they've been they're kind of huge, huge advances from record labels and things. So kind of at that top end, people will still. Where, where does the record company get their money back from? From an Ed Sheeran from paying him in advance? Well, they then recoup the advance, um, or rather, sorry, he he has to recoup the advance. So. He basically, so, well, I don't know, I'm talking about Ed Sheeran, I literally don't know what his arrangement is. He might, he might, <laughs> no, but any, might, any, big, any big artist, what would the record company get the money from? If people can access the music free, how would they get the money back? Just the technical point. Well, they don't get it for free. I mean, Spotify does pay out revenues um, from all the license. So they pay you, you know, something like 0.03% uh, a penny every stream. But people i know that there's some of the bigger players have actually um maneuvered bigger shares of that from spotify so yeah. i don't know quite what that deal is but so a record label basically will pay out um i don't know five million quid to ed sheeran and then ed sheeran doesn't earn anything until he's made five million back and the record label recoup that and then after that there'll be a, probably a 50 50 split or something you know i'm just like yeah, and you and YouTube and you get advertising revenue from YouTube videos and things like that. Which, but again, it's it's interesting. It only works on a small individual basis on on, on a mammoth attention versus the old world. And it's a bit like newspapers, actually. Yeah. Newspapers say they've got more readers than ever before, but yet the advertising model online, for whatever reason, doesn't pay um, for eyeball space as much as as advertisers would pay for space in a newspaper. And people pay you know fifty p a pound for a newspaper as well. So that's the issue with the internet is that. It only works if you if you have a sort of astronomical interest. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'd see. I remember looking up how many streams I'd have to have on Spotify to kind of have a livable income. Mm. Um, a couple of million monthly. I mean, that's like yeah. men- mental. If you imagine the, um, you know, if you imagine that kind of listenership. So you need two million listens a month, so you'd need sort of twenty-four million a year. Yeah. Wow. As a minimum, not a, that's not to be rich. That's like to, yeah. to possibly not have a second job. 
but th- theoretically, that would yeah, that would require you to you know, in theory, if everyone listened once, it'd almost be half the co- every other person in the country in the UK would listen to your song. So it's, uh, I know, and- which, which I suppose happened in the days of radio in the nineties, and you know, the glory days of Oasis and etc. Blur. Yeah, I won't comment on the glory days. <laughs> 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 no, but it's it's funny. It's funny you say that because listening. There was a great show, or great from my perspective, um, on Radio Two recently. It was it was looking back again. They're sort of they're sort of um, piggybacking on nostalgia that people feel like mm. naturally, but also that different time that was sort of pre-internet explosion. It was a Britpop top fifty, and um, they didn't play all the Oasis songs because there's so many in there and so many Blur songs. But it was all the record sales of that era, and it was interesting that people from the Foo Fighters on and different people talking about oasis and blur and just how ubiquitous it was and i suppose that's what we sometimes don't get now is a sense of community and togetherness in this sort of um uh divided world at points people have their sort of their opinions and their beliefs and their group and i think back then there was a sort of conf- a, a community through music wasn't mm. there when everyone listened or knew of the same songs because you could sing along like after the manchester bombings everyone was singing don't look back in anger because most people under you know over the age of 20 probably know that song it is true and it's weird i find it really odd um we've been watching uh who wants to be a millionaire obviously yeah. and um it's amazing <laughs> what, how... old ones or new ones new ones with with jeremy clarkson yeah uh, ah, okay it's amazing how people how bad people are at the pop music questions i'm always yeah shocked. i'm always really shocked because to me you know i've kind of um you know, I remember music very easily in terms of like I hear it and then I remember what it was if I you know know the name. So, but but also like I you know do a certain amount of kind of research, I suppose, by listening to to music I wouldn't normally on Radio One and things. And it's incredible because I think of like Ed Sheeran, you know, probably Taylor Swift and a few other few other artists, maybe like five to ten, who everyone would know all of their songs. But yeah, but on but on those shows, it's like it doesn't it doesn't actually translate to there. There aren't that many of those kind of like you say ubiquitous kind of an- anthems. Mm. It's really it's really really weird how it doesn't spread out as as wide. Yeah, well, the difference with ra- radio people are constantly saying the names of the bands, mm. and there were TV shows about the bands that a lot of people would have watched, like Top of the Pops and things like mm. that. And then there was ob- obviously going to a record store if you wanted to buy the album, if you wanted to listen to it on tap, you had to go, and I think you'd then have the album cover. Mm. So just name rec- re- recognition, I think, are things things are elevated. And I think um, I think they're doing. I think they're still doing it to a certain degree in America, but it's still kind of a. I think it has a kind of not niche i mean it's a wide audience but it's still kind of like a probably a relatively small audience um they're still doing those like bands playing live on on tv shows and that just doesn't happen yeah. in england like no it happens on like jules holland is it maybe yeah jules holland but i think i don't know i don't know i haven't seen that for, for yonks but i know that it was um yeah i don't know it seems to have sort of waned i don't know but the um the, they they do some performances of live music on like the Saturday morning shows and things, but in terms of mm. the actual focus on the music, um, you know, think about like um, MTV Unplugged and like Neil Young, yeah, Neil Young performing on on like with a full massive band, like a proper concert, yeah, film Nirvana, Nirvana, Nirvana as well, Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, like some of the best things ever, 
Um, and I just don't think that that's kind of it's weird. It's a weird thing. I'm sure it would be impressive. But then you like, like you say, who would be the the person to drive the the audiences? It probably would have to be the absolutely ma- like the very top pop artists who yeah. actually demand the audience. I don't know. It's um. Well, the, the, strange, the strange tension of that is because effectively you're, you're looking for awareness and, and name recognition and, and, you know, to sort of put it, I guess, in, the, in modern parlance, attention in the attention economy. But mm-hmm. you've got the, the older guys, the, the older men and women of, of, of the rock years gone past who have that name recognition. In a way, they're still sort of um, able to, to go to the tap and drink, aren't they? Because they've got that ability to mm. just release, release a song and people listen to it because they know them or they'll go and, and, and go to a concert and sell out a stadium. So yeah. that's an interesting one for, for, for a younger generation like yourself, isn't it? Because you're competing with people who played it a different game. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah they're, they're kind of, um, it's very easy to shift over into a, into a different setting. If you've, like you say, you've got that, you've got the captive audience the, the medium or whatever you're, or, you know, you're, you're shifting where you get your revenue from. But like Foo Fighters is a classic example. I mean, they're, uh, I love Dave Grohl and he's yeah. that, um, uh, Bob Eck, my, my bassist has seen them, I think three or four times live. And he just says like, that is just incredible. They play like three hour plus shows yeah. and they, um, you know, it's just an amazing kind of, you know, but they're so, yeah, amazing. And they sell out like, you know, a few nights at, at, at every stadium. So, yeah. so cool. Um, and they, uh, that's, but that, and that's, that's how you make the money in this, this era, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But then, Don't get yeah. out of bed for less than a million quid a show is what you hear. <laughs> And a, and a Budweiser, he drinks Budweiser, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's a legend. I think, awesome. Prop, American, uh, American hero. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he was he was a drummer in Nirvana, wasn't he? And then he yeah. went on to be a singer, yeah. Yeah, drummer, yeah. Yeah, he's a super talented guy. And the music video where he plays all the parts as well in the in the airplane. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. air hostess. Learn to fly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's, um, it's interesting because you, I suppose, and it's an age thing as well because you know I'm, I'm 39 so it's, it's difficult my life's different but there is it's an emotional investment that people made to bands maybe that, like you said you don't have to commit that's an interesting way of putting it because i think that commitment then can stay with you for a long time can't it like you know I'll, i still listen to hendrix and marley because dad played them a lot when we were kids so it's that mm. sense of you you know you, i don't know it's um it's getting ingrained in your uh, underneath the skin i suppose is what you're aiming for in your listeners yeah absolutely i think you kind of um yeah i think what what i how i feel about it i think is just just if you can have um you know enough of an audience whatever that whatever that means um listening to kind of 20 to 40 minutes of your music you know, one mm. at one time that's like a real success really you know, to be honest, if you can, yeah. if you have, if you have, if, you know, the ideal scenario is you have enough audience buying or whatever, you know, streaming. So streaming is probably needs, needs about to 10 million of them, but uh, <laughs> like, like a kind of album or, you know, an extended number of songs. And they're kind of, yeah, you know, doing, doing things that I used to do, even, you know, I, I didn't grow up buying loads of cds because it's all trans transferred into streaming um but did still buy some cds but the uh 
the kind of you know looking up the lyrics finding out about a song mm. finding out about the artist those kind of things uh are what you really yeah that's that's kind of what you think people are committing to wanting to find out more um Mm. too often i think yeah it's just like too often now music is treated like a kind of commodity like as in it not not in the financial sense but in terms of like people listen to it to to just sort of like oh i'm gonna relax i'll put on a playlist and 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 i don't it's a snack or snack or a distraction rather than the experience yeah 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 so I, i think that ideally if you've got enough of an audience who listen to your music in a kind of you know with a with a real appetite for it that's what you want yeah i've never really enjoyed listening to music on the move on the things like tubes and trains and stuff it's interesting that i kind of like i prefer listening to it at home in a in a sort of experience where i can sort of not have it in my ears per se um mm. but it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a funny sort of um conundrum with it when do you think events you got any inkling of when they'll come back do you think there'll be a sort of a campaign to get music is it uh, musicians don't ever strike you as the type of people to be uh to be sort of um aggressive and protesting but quite often reflective types what do you think i mean you know uh, it's it's a weird it's weird for me because like i said the the kind of last two shows felt really kind of like a, a bit of a a shift up you know in terms of like quality in terms of audience engagement in terms of all that sort of stuff and so you start to think okay we need to really try and like kind of for this to kick off and then obviously there's this hiatus and you and for me I'm in a weird way fortunate because I'm thinking okay my my gigs have been cancelled but the sort of gigs I've been doing don't you know they don't constitute a kind of a living for me whereas obviously some yeah. people have suddenly had their living um stripped away so I think what you're you'll see that there will be a push because people require, you know, rely on it for their, for their living. And I know I've got obviously friends who are sound engineers and managers and things. I mean, they just they had no work, like there's no work. So I think there's going to be a real desperate desire to make it work in any way it can mm. do. And I just think this online streaming gigs thing is just not, it's I, people, you know, and and uh, admirably put a kind of brave face on it in terms of, yeah. like, oh, you know, let's transfer it to this live stream. <laughs> no, when near, I mean, it's just nothing like it. Like, it's- yeah, and, and it's simplistic correlation between things like social media followings and, and your potential success as a musician is is a curious one because I think a that doesn't necessarily correlate that you've got attention for posting pictures of yourself in a swimsuit or whatever it might be, mm. um, and then no, people are going to people are going to that's going to that's going to sustain the quality of your your listenership on on the streaming sites or people buying records or whatever. And, and also, I think on social media platforms, people tend to not want you promoting stuff. It's always interesting to me that whenever you try and promote or link to anything, you know, for instance, the podcast kind of grows quite naturally, I think. And people do respond to certain things. Like I know Cheltenham Town fans will respond to a tweet about the club mm. because I live in Cheltenham and things like that. And they'll, they'll, they'll see a spike in listenership. But often, I'm not sure people want to be sold to on social media you know, so it's a, it's a it's an interesting conundrum. I hear how, also, they, how they go about it. I hear also that the algorithm actually um, uh, doesn't like the various algorithms on social media. Don't actually like links being included. Oh, really? Like on Facebook, if you include a link, the algorithm like hides it from your followers. Oh, because they don't want you to leave the the app. I've I, possibly possibly I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, possibly actually. 
Yeah, because they want your attention to be centered on the app with the adverts and things like that. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. It directs you away. From, if anything, directs you away from the app. So the best yeah. way to do things is like if you're doing a video or, you know, a video is to do an actual Facebook video rather than a YouTube implant. Ah, to embed it in there. Embed. Yeah. That's kind of more work then for you to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. Do. Obviously, it's not going to be. <laughs> But you have been doing live, you've been not live, but as live sort of acoustic stuff, haven't you, on social media and websites? Is that right? You've been doing. I did some. I did some stuff on um, Instagram during lockdown. I haven't actually done for a, for a month or two. Actually, I should probably do something. But then that's kind yeah. of the thing. That, that, that's kind of thing that you're like, I should do something. But it's like, well, then, <laughs> if you get... do it, do, do it because that is your craft. That's the thing. You're not doing anything this because that's a difficult thing. And a lot of people feel uncomfortable. I think with social media, if you're trying to do something that's un, that's not you, that's sort of like you say, you know, posting sort of a beer on top of a cliff, saying you've had the best life ever or whatever. But it's yeah. actually you you doing something sincere and playing music is, is actually helpful to people. I think. True, true, true. And, it, and it's what you do anyway. So that's, mm. you know, it's a, it's a natural thing. It's just capturing yeah, yeah. it. And I suppose it's a little bit of practice as well for you and, uh, and kind of having that, that filmed experience. That's true. But you've, respo- you've responded to um, a lot of that. Haven't you? You've had some new songs out and a piece of a part of this is your part, kind of, part of a piece of this. Part of a piece of this, so that's yeah. the easy. You're more about what something like Wonderwall would have been more more uh, memorable. Yeah, it? It's a meaningless good, word, yeah. But it's a good, it's a good song. But it's uh, just trying to kind of keep it the recognition of the title. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a, there, there was an energy to that, wasn't there? I think there's a, there's a, a slight change in your style. Do you feel sort of buoyed yeah, well, by what's happened in a sense now? Well, it's kind of funny because it's like you know you always have those. Um, yeah, it's, people always love to have like a narrative with an artist. I don't know. I've I've I'm always slightly um, uncomfortable with it just because because you know you have like somebody say, oh, I hear they were, uh, you know, went to um, the desert to go and record with a, you know, mm-hmm. like in a in a tent because it was like they were so depressed or you know like i always think they kind of romanticize the narrative and you yeah and and it kind of becomes a bit a bit dodge and often it's kind of myth mythologized or whatever Uh, yeah but uh so i think it's funny because i had all of the music ready to release at the time i did um and then lockdown happened it wasn't kind of like a reaction like a kind of i've got all this music and it's reaction to lockdown likewise the the new song it's like it seems, you know, I released the the EP before, which kind of was, you know, to whatever degree, I, uh, you know, you you like to be like labelled a pigeonhole in a in a style. That's kind of the style that I think most people can expect mostly from me. And then yeah. and then the song, this song was like a song that's been around for three years, and it was like, uh, you know, love playing it live, and it was very much like a a reaction to to things going on at the time of at the time of writing and then and then it, i felt like it would be just fun to release it between two other you know projects and yeah. um, it's like yeah it's definitely a, a pretty gargantuan step away from the other stuff but i think i want to just be known as someone who's you know gonna do what you know, going to write a song about what they're writing the song about, and it will come out however it comes out. However yeah. it comes out, I, I, I never want to listen to artists who just repeat themselves and repeat themselves. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult though in terms of um, striking the balance and knowing what's sincere or not, because clearly you want to be authentic and and everything like that. But I suppose it had to be a sense of 
you'll be affected by the public mood as well. So there's a natural process that you may reflect to change. And I said to you in a text message the other week that, you know, I felt listening to that Britpop thing, there was a sort of edge and an irreverence to a lot of that music at that time. The 90s was sort of quite a, a joyful time, particularly the mid-90s, the sort of uh, cool Britannia and all that kind of stuff. And Tony Blair yeah. came to power and there's a sort of, um, and that sort of gruff sort of um, brash Oasis style and blur and things. And I think, um, not that there wasn't sad songs at the time, but there was sort of energy to them. And I, I think maybe people will be receptive to that. I don't know if you sense that tone because people have sort of getting frustrated about being sat around and, and not yeah. being able to get out and party and, and, and kind of embrace life. I think people are always um, receptive to dynamic things. I think that's what I've always, always wanted things to be, um, you know, like, for me, my favorite music or films or things are things that shift in tone a lot, mm. you know, not, you know, not, you, you know, don't want to be kind of self-conscious about it, but it's like the, uh, the feeling that a song grows or develops and, and even, you know, between albums that something grows and develops. And at some points there's real, like, um, you know, like you say, real energy and something more kind of irreverent. And then there's something a lot more somber, or um sin, you know sincere and i think that's what life's like i think you know to kind of to kind of be an artist who releases things that are uh, all of one kind of mood or um mm. you know that, that that's going to at the moment that actually gets gets you quite a long way in terms of the sort of like playlist we were talking about um yeah you can... you, you've, been, you've been liking to Bon Iver a lot, haven't you? And that was a big influence, but I, I don't know whether that's accurate because they were quite diverse in their output, weren't they, in terms of style? Yeah, I think people think of Bon Iver just as the first the first album, really, in terms of its effect on a lot of writers, just just, just really in terms of sort of, like I you know, it's sort of say... Um, was, was, made... Skinny Love, was Skinny Love on that album? Yeah, that yeah, that fir- yeah, the first album was the kind of, that breakthrough, and I think it changed a lot of things for a lot of people, but also just in the sense of you feeling enabled, you know, to like he sang in all the, the sort of strange falsetto and, and a lot of kind of mess on the record. And I think the best thing <laughs> as an artist is you're always just like looking to be um, enabled by other artists and like, shut so it out. feels, it feels, it feels as live, even though it's a, re- a record. Yeah. 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 It feels very, yeah. And it felt as well, like it was recorded in a room that you know the the room and the room and the location became part of the record and i'm really big on that i really want mm. songs to when when appropriate songs to sound like they've been recorded in a place rather mm. than you know most people most people probably didn't don't think about this particularly but but you know sort of obsessive music makers thing is like some music is good because it feels like it's really honed kind of studio sound and it's every like kind of perfect but then there's a certain amount of like, you know, um, crafted, um, what's the word? Kind of, yeah, messiness and like, and yeah, that sort of stuff, which I love. A bit like, bit like, bit like podcasts as well. You know, often people like, you know, Joe Rogan, this guest, one of them gets up for a pee and then comes back and it's sort of like that. It feels sort of like you're there in the, yeah, 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 exactly. It doesn't, re- you know, the kind of idea that being, being kind of professional in adverted commas, really seamless yeah yeah it doesn't really add you know or it doesn't a more loose kind of thing doesn't really detract i think for most audiences i think they find it quite interesting 
Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly sort of it's untypical. It's, as long as it's not sort of like sort of bad, you know, clashing and bangs in their ears and sort of difficult to sustain sustain yeah. listenership. But something we've talked about, actually, I think it affects all of us. It goes back to modern technology in terms of now we, we can be connected to millions of people. And I get lots of messages from people wanting to be promoted on this or, or potentially um, giving them an opportunity at Sky Sports or whatever it might be. But what's mm. interesting is it's very difficult now to determine people's level of investment because in the past and when you occupy a physical realm people had to show commitment by meeting you by coming to a gig so i bet that's been a challenge for you isn't it it's trying to figure out who and you obviously don't want to throw anyone under the bus but in terms of picking the people to to be with and, and what their core drive is like is that is a difficult aspect of modern life isn't it because of the ease of communicating and talking a good game yeah 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 certainly certainly true like you yeah you don't find you just it's sort of learning isn't it you find out who you who you work with um well only really through working you know you can like you say it's easy to kind of say oh i think we should do this you know work on this track or i think we should um Mm. i've got a few things here check them out and then but the the kind of nuts and bolts of it and the the um energy of the relationship will only ever be um like found out through through doing it i think and so yeah you know and like i've said to you i think doing doing what i'm doing as a solo artist but a solo artist who requires kind of musicians and a lot of um input from you know like like you know i have people doing string quartet arrangements and and uh, all my band and people playing on the record that is requires a level of like drive and ambition and you and and frankly like you know patience and, and like yeah ability to just just weather it weather it um that you know some people quite fairly don't don't have as well and and you're asking people to give up a lot for a vision that's not necessarily theirs you hope they share at least part, yeah. parts of it but it but it's often the case that you've got a vision and you're and you're just hammering away at it and you're hoping that people come along with you and that's that's not easy to find you know i've no. mostly been pretty pretty damn lucky particularly in the last year and a half really um yeah of just kind of starting to piece together a team where you know you think that everyone's pulling in the same direction even if that means that they're just willing to to listen you know and sometimes do things that they think are stupid or wrong <laughs> yeah no yeah well i, I think it's funny because i'm fast becoming a grumpy old man but one thing that i've noticed particularly since lockdown actually and, and, and the sort of influence of modern technology on how we behave and our our attitudes to things is, is, is a sort of cult of flakiness which prevails because of the ease of communication whereby say you're going to organize an interview in person if it's across the country or something people have to make plans to do that and then execute that mm-hmm. and it's probably more likely to happen whereas in the pandemic world and this is probably exacerbated trends anyway with mm-hmm. late text messages to say you can't make something it's become like to sort of say oh we'll do a podcast then or i'll interview a boxer then and it's like you get to the day and you send a link and say oh can we have a conversation now then they're like oh sorry i'm double booked so i'm out of the shops i didn't so yeah. no, actually, plan, they don't plan. It's almost like, yeah, I'll do that. But then there is a slight sort of uh, cult of flakiness where, where sort of when plans are made now, it's almost like they're 50-50 as to whether they'll actually happen, even though people seemingly confirm yeah. it. Whereas in the old days, and this is Sam's old days, this is like 20 years ago, you'd say to your friends, 
I'm going to meet you tomorrow. You might have a pay-as-you-go mobile or something, but you ultimately you're going to meet them by the fountain in the centre of town and you have to do it. Whereas now it's like nothing, nothing certain I remember, until it's actually happening. I remember that exact feeling um, when I was like 14, 15 and started going into, um, into Worcester, into little old Wu town. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I didn't have a mobile. My friend had got like, you know, early mobiles. And I would say, and I remembered everyone's home phone numbers. I mean, For, like 14 or 15, you would have had, I mean, you, that was 2007. Or maybe 30 like or something. IPhone, so, but I didn't yeah. have a mobile. Didn't have a, did, I didn't have a mobile. Um, and I was like, and I'd say to them, like, right, we're going to meet in Worcester at midday. And they're like, hey, we'll just see what happens or whatever. <laughs> For God's sake, we just say we're meeting. Yeah. Because <laughs> before that, I'd remembered everyone's yeah. phone. I'd remembered everyone's home phone numbers and you had to call and you'd have to have that awkward conversation with a parent when you were like 10 years old and say, could I speak to, uh, could I speak to yeah. people, please? And like, they don't have to do, kids don't have to do that anymore, which I find really weird. They don't have to have the awkward conversations with parents. Well, I'm, I, I'm surprised you being born in 92 even had that to a certain extent. But I suppose we weren't big at home on encouraging people to have mobile phones. I think I had one when I was about 15. It was an orange brick uh, and I'm 10 years older than you, but it was, I didn't use it. I didn't know how to use it and I had to get credit for it. And it was a bit complicated back then, sort of like 97 or something. Yeah, no, I remember but, it, yeah. I remember in year then, six, yeah, people had like people had the first mobiles. I didn't, yeah, I remember. So I was eleven, yeah, yeah, because you would have been, yeah, you were only fifteen when the iPhone came out. So that's interesting in that yeah. sense. It's that uh, it seems that seems relatively recent, but it's actually quite a long time in terms of uh, of your life. But yeah, that is that is a phenomenon. That's um, and I remember, yeah, our friend or my friend Dan, and, and you know Dan, he used to go out and he'd be an hour and a half early from this the set meeting place, and he'd sit by a payphone and just ring us all to check we were coming on time. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, we used to have to go through. He was like the orchestrator of most things. We'd have to go through his his phone bill with his mum, like sort of leaning over us to check which was our numbers and stuff. Uh, because I guess he was rack, 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 racking up a big landline bill at home. Um, yeah, probably. So it's, it's funny. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. that, is, but that is, a, but that for you, that that that's an interesting part of life, particularly in something like that's intangible, like music, where you're trying to forge a career, where it's not like you sort of can mm. look control your own destiny and do a qualification and get a CV and go to a job interview. You're kind of relying on an ensemble of people, I suppose. It's the, the few amount of people and, and high quality people you can get is the key, I guess, for few musicians. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, you know, yeah, you, you need a you need a team. You need, even if, even if you're, you know, an acoustic artist who records himself at home and has a good handle on like self-promotion and things, you need a team, even if the team means the people who like are your biggest fans, you know, yeah. like pe- people who kind of really believe in what you're doing and can like, will always show up to a gig, whatever the team means, you do need, you do need, um, people around you for me like i say that's quite a like involved process and it's like saying to yeah. people and pe- and pe- people can talk people can talk a good game up front can't you that's the difficulty in life they can talk very enthusiastically about what you're gonna do but will they actually sort of keep that energy yeah 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 and also i think people will people see opportunity to to do something that they want to do and if that then becomes you know tainted in any way and you know sort of oh so for instance like I, like i'm talking about you know i have to be a kind of to a to a degree a sort of egomaniac in terms of i've got 30 songs that need to be 
recorded and they and I want them to be made in a way that I'm going to want to listen to them at the end so I kind of have to like trust what I'm doing and have a, a vision so if a producer came along and wanted to work with me because they wanted to kind of put their their work into it mm. that sometimes when 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 that when when people realize that they're working towards something that might not be entirely theirs that also you know people's kind of um ambition and drive can be kind of diminished i think at that point which is totally fair enough i think it's just something yeah it's, again that, it's, yeah again in this so, in this time it's easier to kind of back away from something and so would you of, like a would you like a band that's maybe got a, sort of even if it's a jj draper band or like the bruce springsteen thing it'd be something like that would be more kind of i guess everyone's invested in it in a sense yeah i mean that would be it would be great it's just i think like in my experience with with the guys we're all busy you know in one way or another bob x doing a phd joey is um uh like a producer so he's kind of working with various artists and got his own band that he's kind of head of you've got day jobs as well haven't you i mean you work in a pub as yeah well. i've got day job um my guitarist has a day job and is in three bands my keyboardist is has a day job and is in like about 10 different leads two choirs and there's a wow. total to, and yeah, yeah leads two choirs and plays church organ is a total genius freak um so kind of to to have a band where everyone's equally invested is not really an option so that's also why you know you have to develop the kind of self fulfill you know self uh perpetuated um yeah. kind, of, kind of drive for it because if I was going, you know what, I'm just going to see what the guys add to this or what they, you know, I'm, I love it when they, they're kind of, they're kind of adding their, their input in a room. But if I was like putting it off to kind of see what everyone thought, mm. nothing would get done just naturally, yeah. just in terms of time. Hopefully there's a time when, you know, everyone and it, can sack it in and, and we're on tour and we do start doing everything collaboratively. Yeah. And there's probably a way that you could probably try and do a lot of be a jack of all trades and try and do things. But then I think you lose quality in that. People have strengths and assets and it may not be that your, you know, production big skills are ever going to be the equivalent to someone who's worked as a producer for no, 10, big 15 years. So it's, uh, big I think that, and that's happened in ju journalism. People expected people to be all round journalists, video editors and stuff like that. And it didn't quite work. With the way no, exactly. Exa I, I, I think that's a really like, um, kind of, what's the word? Do like sort of diminishing, degrade, like just kind of degrading aspect of the the um, kind of modern way of doing things. It's like mm. I just I don't, you know, I see that everyone has enormous skill. Like, why am I? Sometimes I have I've had to, and I you know I like I like playing certain things on the record myself, even if I know that someone like Alex is a much, much better keys player. Sometimes there's piano parts that I really have enjoyed and I've been proud of. So it's like, well, I'll leave that bit in because yeah. I like that. Cause, uh, but, but, there's, but who am I kidding? Like Alex is a, has been <laughs> grade eight since he was nine years old. Like it's, it's just. It's, yeah. It used to be a battle to get you piano lessons. Yeah. Ago, I, yeah. Got, I don't even know if I got grade two. I literally. <laughs> <laughs> I could, could could not stand that that level of like discipline in that in that yeah. field. Um, 
yeah, there's a special, there's a, there's a beauty in specialism, like good camera work and things like that, and TV mm. and productions and things. I think that's why the difference between, I guess you would say, quality television now versus sort of things like YouTube. You know, it's great that people can record on their phones, but it's it's not quite the same thing when you're, you know, you're hanging out of shot and you're you've got something sticking out your ear in the background or whatever it might be because the camera person's not not looking at it. No, totally. I think but, but is it is it weird for you at the moment as well because you're a, a survivor of coronavirus which sounds dramatic but you didn't actually have it to, too bad it must be strange that the whole world's shut down because of that in a way well it is but i've also felt really rough like since quite you know quite um quite persistently fatigued and things in terms of post-viral um post-viral stuff um mm. But I mean, yeah, it is very. So weird. A, bit, a bit like it sounds like glandular fever, actually. What I had. Yeah, I think it is being. I think it's coming. You know, I've, for the first time in my life, I've ever joined a Facebook group. Really. Um, just to just to read, just to be like, you know, there's long long form COVID, um, thing. People just saying like, I don't know if anyone else is feeling like they've got like ME basically. Um, yeah. And it's muddy, it's muddied by false the testing as well because some people are getting false positives who have said they've shaken it off in a day but they may not have actually had it. It's it's, it's complex. And also, but then there's also a thing that a lot of people on this group weren't tested originally. A lot of people are. There's no no doubt that there is a lot of this like lingering lingering COVID mm. stuff. But there's also a lot of people sort of being like, yeah, I felt rough in some time and I still feel right. It's like you know, it's not necessarily scientific. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's. And as psychology, it's, the situation's hard as well because we're we're being limited and spending more time thinking about things. And you can, I mean, most people convince themselves about six times a day they have COVID, so it's, it's a tricky mm. one. It's very weird, and I do think, like you know, like you say, I had it. I felt pretty weird. I would say weird more than ill. I didn't feel like brutally ill, but I but I felt very odd for like three weeks, and then, um, and then yeah, just sort of lingering lingering yeah. feelings but but the um yeah seeing it kind of shut everything down you know you just i don't know i think and your girlfriend didn't even get it which is no. strange you live with her no 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 and you know we we were up before i knew what what i had we were up with mum and dad and they didn't come down with it at the time um yeah but like i don't know the uh I think the the kind of knock on effect. I think that's almost undeniably now going to be going to be worse in terms of other health effects, other economic effects, longer term. Into just, I think it's mm. undeniably like now looking like it's going to have you know much bigger consequences than the actual virus itself. I think really, yeah. Um, I think well, that's it's, quite, what, it's a real, it's a real, yeah. It's a I think complex what... picture, I think. Mm. And I think people are quite, because quite people are quite partisan, as we mentioned, tribal, even, you know, particularly the internet cultures. And I think people are either like locked down forever or, or, or blow it all open and let it rip. And I think it's, there's often nuance and texture to it, but there's definite <laughs> ramifications of this. And, you know, it's our next door neighbor passed away and she'd been in a home for five months because of her, her ill health. And she died in pneumonia, but we hadn't been able to visit her. She didn't have relatives, so none of her friends had visited her for four or five months, and that was her final, you know, her final few months of life, as it turned yeah. out. So it's, it's really difficult. But one thing it does, you obviously you can enjoy and recuperate in the lockdown now from from coronavirus, or the relative lockdown that we have now, and, and get the the Indian summer, the sunshine that's that's out there. But you can work on the jingle as well for the podcast. How's that coming along? Is that is that going to feature a vocal of yours as well? 
it's got a little bit of vocal. You probably won't be able to tell it's me. <laughs> I say, I mean, it's it, uh, it's uh, it's not like um, it's not like verse and chorus. It's just the the, the tagline of the the podcast. Yeah, or the name of the uh, podcast. Uh, really. no, I, look, I look forward to it. It'd be good because yeah. people have mentioned that to me about making you know talking about being professional, getting the podcast a little uh, jingle on it. So yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Um, be good. it's on the way. Um, I've I've passed it on. It's it's out of my hands now. <laughs> I'll chase it up. Yeah, people in music, I get the sense that they're sort of uh, not quite as as urgent as as people who work in the city and <laughs> that, businesses. That may um, or may not be the case. Yeah. Yeah, um, we, we better wrap up because the, again, the wonders of modern technology. This app starts to, to store audio after a certain period, after an hour. But quick thoughts on Man U? Is it, are you optimistic about United? Optimistic? It's going to be more of a competitive title race. I think I think the Premier League's going to the, the winning total will be less than last year. I think it'll be in the eighties, which may yeah. open it up a bit more. I think it's looking like a pretty exciting league actually. Seeing the games on the seeing the games on the um, the first two days, I thought there were quite a lot of excitement from different clubs i quite enjoyed watching almost every club yeah um, so that in that sense is good and i think there's definitely going to be more of a challenge up top um in terms of united i just i don't even understand what's going on like <laughs> everyone around us is really you know filling in holes in the squad i mean what became clear is i you know i don't think that our um starting 11 is absolutely dire but by any means, yeah. by any means, but but we just have no subs that can change a game. Mm. And I don't, yeah, and I, I, again, I don't know quite what the resources are around the, the COVID implications on football. Whether certain clubs like United maybe are being frugal in in the sense of a, a you know prospective dropped income, they've already dropped, and maybe they will in the future. But I know what you mean. There is a sense that there's an opportunity potentially because Liverpool have started to show a few signs again against Leeds. But we'll we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. But um, JJ, good to speak to you. I know. Oh, I did. I'll catch up with you soon, okay? Go yeah, well. cheers, dude. See you soon then. Well, that's love, bro. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there we have it. JJ Draper, usually relatively optimistic about Manchester United, actually, as a brother's WhatsApp group. Got three brothers and uh, also a friend of JJ's as well on there, Man United fan. And it's, uh, it's interesting. One of my brother who's, uh, who's a lawyer, so I'm not sure if he's got cynical about people, but he's very negative about United's movements for much of the time. Although he does seem to enjoy the signing of Donny van der Beek. But fascinating to hear from JJ there because I think the complexity of the music industry is sort of one that's kind of almost synchronized with the media industry that I've been involved in, but more pronounced the effect of the internet on it as a business model in terms of selling records that seems to have evaporated per se. Unless, as JJ was saying, there you can stream millions and billions of songs online. There's not real return uh, financially, and, and clearly that making money through events has been completely stymied by coronavirus and the pandemic and the lockdown and the sort of regulations. So hope that people can find a way to perform in the future and perhaps some sort of self-determination where people can go to these events maybe the testing can improve to the point where we get quick fire tests at, at events that people um know that and they're, they're, they're safe to go in and, and feel comfortable so very complex picture but good to get his take on it and um funny that he was talking about remembering that time pre sort of uh, phone smartphones where you can just text someone at the drop of a hat and, and change plans i don't know if you've noticed that in lockdown that, that appointments and things become slightly flakier because of the fact that we can. We can just uh, drop out of things last minute, whereas before, in a physical world, you have to execute. And uh, say, for example, if I was doing an interview, you'd plan that time and you'd go and journey time and, and preparation time and all those things, whereas now I think people sort of loosely commit to things. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting old, getting grumpy, getting very grey. 
and uh, thin on top. But anyway, um, great to speak to my bro and uh, check out his music on Spotify. My little girl used to play it live every night to so be echoing through the house to go to sleep. But the problem was we had to have it on a computer in the other room. And uh, it was basically, we couldn't think because we were sort of uh, around about the house and it was playing out of a sort of baby monitor we had and things like that. So it was, it was pretty cacophonous. But she now listens to the radio, um, but we listen to a lot of JJ stuff and love it actually. Never gets old. Real talent. And I know I'm very subjective and very biased, but worth checking out if you could. Uh, thank you to the sponsors of the podcast, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham as well. Uh, masters of uh, or masters or um, specialists at least in the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations i hope you're well i hope your family's well if you've got kids going back there's sniffles around the playground already aren't there and if you do want that discount code for cytoplan supplements go to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-m.co.uk and you can get 10 percent off with a discount code draper10 my last name all capital letters d-r-a-p-e-r then the numbers one zero. Have a good rest of the week, guys. And if you're in the UK, enjoy this uh, late summer sun. Drink it in, all that vitamin D. Bye for now. Thank you for listening.